I have endured what no one on earth has endured. I have put my lips to the hand of the man who killed my son. So says King Priam to the warrior hero Achilles in Homer's ancient epic, the Iliad. Here in this moving scene from Homer's classic, Achilles has taken the life of Priam's famed son Hector and has then refused to release Hector's body, thereby forbidding it an honorable burial. And so heartbroken and devastated, Priam has thus come to Achilles, his coming, and what's more, his bowing, a sign of humility unheard of for a man of his position. For remember now, he's a king. And this is the man who has killed his son. Not to mention the man who is even now leading the charge that is ravaging, just decimating his entire kingdom. Yet here now Priam is. Here in great humility and surrender, what's more, here in full knowledge that none of this had to happen, that if it weren't for the folly of his younger son Paris, that none of this would have happened, yet here he is now because it did happen. And so here he now comes to Achilles, and here he now falls to his knees and kisses his hand, and he says, I have put my lips to the hand of the man who killed my son. Of Achilles' reaction to this act and to these words, Homer writes, and I quote, Achilles then gazed in wonder at the splendid king. Why would you come to me? He is in essence wondering. Why would you bow to me? And so for a long beat, Achilles just silently stares at Priam, considering, until finally moved by the sincerity and the humility of the king, Achilles says, and again I quote, Sit with me here, and let sorrow lie quietly in our hearts. Evil is all men's lot, yet we must keep courage. Oh, that's good stuff. Oh, that's good stuff. All right. Let me read that last line once more, and then we're going to shift gears for just a moment. Sit with me here, and let sorrow lie quietly in our hearts. Evil is all men's lot, yet we must keep courage. Okay, hold that line. Turn with me now to the popular American folk band, the Avett Brothers. In one of the Avett Brothers' most popular songs, they sing these words, There's a darkness upon me that's covered in light, and I'm frightened by those who don't see it. There's a darkness upon me that is covered in light. Any of you familiar with this song? Well, while the Avid brothers may not be intentionally trying to draw our attention to Christian theology with this line, they may as well be. 
Because what these lyrics remind us of, in fact, what these lyrics are about, is the fact that whether we want to admit it or not, there is a brokenness in ourselves and in our world. That whether we want to acknowledge it or not, that suffering is often our lot in life, and that despite the preponderance of good that no doubt exists in ourselves and around us, that still Evil is an inescapable reality in our world. It's all men's lot, Achilles says. Or as the Avid brothers describe it, there is a darkness upon us. Okay, enough about that for now, too. We'll come back to both the Iliad and the Avid brothers soon enough, I promise. But for now, let's turn to our gospel lesson for today. Here in Matthew chapter 3, we watch as one of the most dizzying and profound moments in all of human history takes place. And what's sadly ironic about it is that we often read this passage without an awareness of just how dizzying and just how profound this moment actually is. On its face, this scene merely depicts the act of one man dunking another man in the Jordan River. In its essence, however, what this scene depicts is the very essence of God's humility. For let us remember who we as Christians claim this man being baptized in this passage is. We claim that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, is somehow God incarnate. That in this man the fullness of God was somehow pleased to dwell. And so here in this scene we have the creator of the universe, true God from true God, coming to a mere mortal, coming to one of his own creation and humbling himself to be baptized by him. For most of us, as we read this passage, we fail to note what a scandal this really is. For most of us, we read this passage as something of a launching pad moment for the rest of the Jesus story, as an important part of the story, no doubt, but important only insofar as it helps announce and initiate the rest of the story. But you know who doesn't see it this way? You know who the scandal of the moment was not lost upon? The man doing the baptizing. Look at what John's response was when he sees Jesus approach him. Standing there in the water, likely having just finished baptizing someone else, John now sees Jesus standing before him. You know, Just standing and waiting for John's ministering act like everyone else. And John immediately feels the scandal of it. Why is this man coming to me? He wonders. Why is this man humbling himself before me? And so he says, I have need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? To which Jesus, in utter humility, answers, Let it be so. Let it be so. 
and so astounded John, a mere mortal human being, baptizes Jesus of Nazareth, the incarnate God. Let's talk for just a minute of exactly what this means. Let's talk for just a minute about what it means for us to say that God incarnate was baptized. And let's talk for just a minute about what deeper significance there no doubt is in John's words. And do you come to me? You see, there is so much more going on in this passage than a simple baptism in water. Yes, that happened. And yes, that launched the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. But beyond that, here God incarnate is choosing to be baptized, is choosing to be immersed into human frailty and weakness and suffering. Here Creator God, He who spoke the worlds into being, here, Creator God has not only chosen to condescend to come into the world He created, but He is now choosing to so deeply identify with it in its brokenness that He is choosing to now experience it through the eyes of one of its broken. You see, God in Christ was not only baptized in water. God in Christ was baptized in human frailty and finitude. God, out of love for humanity, came to know suffering. God, out of love for humanity, came to know evil. God, out of love for humanity, came to know heartbreak and devastation and anxiety and despair. God, out of love for humanity, became fully human, immersed in our own humanity, just like us. No, I know we as Christians say this kind of thing a lot. We know this, right? But I wonder whether we often reflect on what it is that we are claiming when we do. And so as to try to help us recapture the scandal and the wonder of it all, I want to draw our attention now back to the Iliad and back to King Priam and back to Achilles. I want us to go back to that scene. Here now is the sovereign king, majestic and respected. And here now was the man who slew his beloved son, and all the while, here in the king's mind is his other son, the wayward one, the one who started this whole mess. And so here now the king is, knowing that none of this had to happen, knowing that things needn't to have turned out like this. Yet here the king is now because they did turn out like this. And because he's heartbroken over it all. And because far more than he cares about his power and his majesty, he cares about his son and about his family. And so here now he, the king, comes to this man who killed his own son and he kisses his hand and in so doing he identifies himself with his dead son's weakness and helplessness. Do you follow that? 
He identifies himself with his dead son's weakness and helplessness. Here, the king does. All in hopes that his weakness will show himself strong. All in hopes that his humility might engender mercy. And we read this text and we consider this humility and like Achilles, we wonder at it. Yet we read this text and we consider this humility and like Achilles, we are profoundly moved by it. Because here's the thing about it. We know it didn't have to happen. The cycle of vengeance could have continued. The king could have remained in his castle nursing his wrath. The king could have called down fire from heaven. But instead the king's love and the king's profound sense of loss were both so deep that all other courses of action available to him seemed insufficient. And so rather than show himself strong so as to avenge his son, he chose to make himself weak in order to identify with him. And it was in his weakness then that he was proven strong. Which is why Achilles then says, sit with me here. And let sorrow lie quietly in our hearts. For evil is all men's lot. Yet we must take courage. Friends, today on the Christian calendar is what we call Baptism of the Lord Sunday. And today I can think of no better way of paraphrasing the significance of Christ's baptism than this line, sit with me here and let sorrow lie quietly in our hearts. Evil is all men's lot, yet we must keep courage. For in the baptism of Christ, God fully identified himself with broken, sinful humanity. In the baptism of Christ, God chose to sit with us here in it. To sit with us here in the sorrow and the shame and the anxiety and the despair and the heartache and the uncertainty and the myriad symptoms that arise from our alienation from the full persons we were designed to be. And so like Priam in coming to Achilles, so is it with God in coming to us. God, like Priam, knew it didn't have to be this way. God, like Priam, knew that it was due to our folly that it ever came to this. But yet, like Priam, God so loves His children that rather than respond in vengeance or in show of strength, God instead responded in humility and in weakness coming to us, the transgressors, and humbling himself before us. Think on that. Creator God, coming to us, humbling himself before us, becoming one of us. 
Achilles then gazed in wonder at the splendid king. Homer writes, And do you come to me? John the Baptist says, Our Lord and our God, we would do well to say ourselves. Yes, there is a darkness upon us. The Avid brothers are absolutely right about that. But the beauty of the Christian story is that God comes to us in the darkness in the person of Jesus Christ. And what's more, the beauty of the Christian story is that God not only comes to us in the darkness, but that in the person of Jesus Christ, God was baptized into the darkness, fully identifying himself with the brokenness of humankind. For evil is all men's lot. But though that may be through Christ and because of Christ, we can keep courage. For in Christ, God, like Priam, has endured what no one on earth has endured. In Christ, God has put his lips to the hand of the one who killed his son. And because he has in Christ, God can say to us today, can say to us in our brokenness, in our sinfulness, in our yearning and our despair, sit with me here. And let sorrow lie quietly in our hearts. Evil is all men's lot. Yet we must keep courage. To us this very day, the creator of the universe comes to us offering these words. Rightly we ask, rightly we wonder, and do you, our Lord, come to us when we have need to come to you? To which Christ our Lord in powerful humility responds. Let it be so. Let it be so. To God be the glory. Amen.